hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. So glad you could join me today. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. If you want to learn more about us and what we do for our day jobs, well, please visit us at XMLFG.com. Once again, it's XMLFG.com. I'm not going to waste any time. Let's jump right into the fire today. Last week, stocks lost nearly $3 trillion in value on the biggest weekly decline that we've had in more than two years. And, and we flirted with the bottom part of the trading range that we've established over the last couple of months. The positive was we held above the 200-day moving average. Then this week on Monday, we had the biggest one-day gain since the presidential elections back in 2016. And it was the third largest point gain in history. But I think more significantly, it was on volume that saw nine stocks climbing for every one declining. That's what we've been waiting for the positive momentum, the positive momentum volume. We need at least one or two more days of that type of positive volume to confirm that things are going to get a little bit better. What spooked the market last week was actually a couple of things. The first was talk of the Trump administration, which would be imposing more than $60 billion in tariffs on China. And then China turns around and says, well, if you do that, We'll enact our own tariffs. Sounds like a trade war, right? My guess is that the likelihood of a full-blown, all-out trade war, while possible, is probably lower down on the probability scale than what the market priced in last week. It seems like everyone is surprised when the administration does something like this. But the reality is, this is exactly what he said he was going to do during the campaign. And as I've said before, this seems more like a negotiation to me, just like the steel and aluminum tariffs. They come out with a big number. They're swinging for the fences and then they end up walking it back. This week started off with reports that the U.S. and China are now willing to sit down and talk about the tariffs and the trade imbalances. Number two was Last week, the Fed raised rates another quarter point on Wednesday. Rates go hand in hand with increased volatility. So as the Fed continues to raise rates and unwind their balance sheet, you'll continue to see volatility be a key market theme. What that means is that you'll likely have a bumpier ride in the equity markets. You know, that smooth, steady rise in the markets that we saw last year? It's probably a thing of the past. My view is, is that we're still in the consolidation phase and it still makes sense to buy the dip because the probability of a recession this year is pretty darn close to nil, to nothing. I suspect that global growth, a muted U.S. dollar and easy financial uh, fiscal policy 
are going to be a boon for earnings. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised to see the markets hit new highs on the back of earnings as this year unfolds. So where would I be looking? How about the home builders? A few months ago, we talked about these and we took a break from buying them because of my concern over high input prices, specifically lumber. Lumber was just skyrocketing. You had a shortage of labor and because we were looking at higher interest rates, which means higher mortgage rates and the possible elimination of the mortgage interest deduction. Now, now when I look at the fundamentals, I would expect more gains for the still recovering residential market that kind of moves in this steady, prolonged multi-year cycles. Keep in mind that housing starts are still running below household formation and the job market is heating up. Yes, interest rates and rising housing prices are gaining affordability, but the home builders share prices have corrected enough to the point for me to start looking at them again. My favorite in the group is DHI, DR Horton. It's trading around $44. DHI is the largest U.S. home builder based on homes delivered and revenue. And there are three main reasons why I like DHI. One is that they've changed their business model over the last couple of years. One of the biggest expenses for a home builder is the cost of land and land development. Now, the traditional model has been for a company to go in, buy up a whole bunch of land, and then build on it. When they do this, it takes a whole bunch of money, and they carry that inventory, that land, on their balance sheet. That was a problem during the housing crisis because a lot of these companies had to keep writing down the value of their land. DHI still does some of this, but they've also started buying options on the land instead of outright purchases, a lot like NVR does. By doing this, it means that you're not holding a lot of land and they can use their capital more efficiently. Another reason is because of their size. Being the largest builder in America, well, that gives them more leverage to negotiate more favorable land, labor, and raw material contracts compared to some of their peers, which is a significant competitive advantage, especially when prices prices are on the rise. A third reason, a third reason I like them is because of their focus in the market. The economy is growing. The job market is pretty darn good, which should give the millennial generation of first-time home buyers the confidence they need to purchase a new home. For DHI, they have their entry level, their express home divisions, which is geared to these buyers. They offer homes at around 230000 and that represents about 36% of their closings and about 30% of their home building revenue. From a valuation perspective, I expect DHI to earn about $3.70 this year, up from $2.74 last year. That's a 35% increase in earnings. If they do earn that $3.70 this year, it means that they're trading for about 11 or 12 times earnings. Value line gives them an A for their balance sheet, which is really good. 45 for earnings predictability, which is what you would expect from a cyclical type company and a three for safety. Remember, 
These are cyclical type companies, so you want to keep a close eye on them at all times. Under $44, I think they're worth a look. I'm an owner. Hey, we've come up to the time where we need to step away and take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about the airlines and the air transports. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We are back in a moment. You've worked hard. You've saved and invested. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301-770-5234. Well, thank you and welcome back to today's program. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. So glad you could join me here. This week is spring break for a lot of folks around this area. I, I live in Leesburg, Virginia, and I always try and plan ahead. So when spring break rolls around, I start thinking about booking my summer vacation. And I tell you, this year, we're doing something different. We're headed to Denmark, Copenhagen, actually, where I'm going to attempt to complete my first Ironman triathlon. So keep your fingers crossed for me. Now, there's a lot of logistics involved in doing this, not just with the family stuff, figuring out where we want to go, what do we want to do, but there's also the logistics of getting everything there for the race. And not to bore you with all the details, but I did go online to start booking our airfare. And that actually led me to doing some work on the different carriers. Actually, when I was doing it, Southwest, symbol LUV, they came out with an announcement dropping their first quarter revenue guidance, primarily due to the competitive fare environment. It's like, great. Unfortunately for me, they don't fly to Copenhagen. And this is something that has always worried me about the airlines. When things are going good for them, they start adding capacity, which leads to empty seats and lower prices. And if you remember a while back, United announced a significant capacity expansion plan. So as I'm digging deeper here and I'm looking at the different companies, I see that airfares have been losing share of the customer wallets for more than a year now. And it looks to me like that decline is accelerating. On top of that, it doesn't appear like they've been able to pass along higher jet fuel prices. So when I put all this together, it looks like lower revenue, higher cost, which will eventually hurt margins. I think I'd rather invest in a seat upgrade than the airline stocks at this point. Now, if for some crazy reason you feel like you want to own an airline, well, let me suggest Federal Express, FedEx. I'm a fan of the transports, the rails and the air freight businesses in particular, because both are levered to global growth and capital spending, which have been two dominant themes lately. I think that you'll see sales gain momentum in a couple of months. Heck, I think we get three deliveries at my house alone during the week. So, I'm contributing to that momentum. Let's talk about FedEx. Symbol FDX 
it's trading around $238. This is an old favorite of mine. I've owned it for a couple of years now. They released earnings a couple of weeks ago and they beat analysts' expectations. But I tell you, it was a bit of a messy quarter for them. It really took a lot of digging and kind of guessing about what was going on there. A lot of their beat was because of the benefits of the new tax package that was passed a, a few months ago. The good news was that they increased their earnings guidance for the full year to a range of $15 to $15.40 per share. Now let's talk about who they are. FedEx, they have four segments. They have two larger segments, one smaller one, and one you'll barely hear me mention. Last quarter, the express part of their business was about 55 to 60% of their revenue, and the ground segment was about 30% of their revenue. And then you have the smaller freight business, which is about 10%, and then the smallest piece, the services business, which is about 5% of revenue. And that's all you'll hear me say about them. The biggest piece, the express business. They're the largest cargo airliner in the world. 57% of revenues with almost 6% margins. The ground business is about 30% of revenues and produces margins in the mid-teens, actually the lower teens, excuse me. The ground business is almost twice as profitable as the express business, which explains why they bought the European carrier TNT a while back. If you think about the express business, it has a relatively high operating cost. Just think about the 650, almost 700 planes that they have and the fuel cost and the maintenance that goes along with that. Now, once you cover these fixed costs, then you get to put more and more towards the bottom line. So it's important that FedEx focuses on growth and productivity. For every 100 basis points or 1% in improved margin, well, that equates to about 50 cents per share in earnings. Now, unfortunately, this last quarter, margins at the express business dropped, and that's why the stock Drop too. FedEx has been spending a lot more on modernizing its fleet and its facilities, which will hopefully pay off in the long run. Well, right now, the stock is trading at 238, like I said. And if you believe management and they'll earn $15 this year, well, that means that they're trading for about 16 times this year's earnings guess. That's a little less than average over the last 15 years. But you know what? Yeah, you know what comes next. That's too much for me to pay because I'm cheap. I do a little buying under 230, which would be about 15 times this year's earnings, which I don't think is crazy. And if you do get a further pullback and it hits 220, that's where I'd own a full type of type of position. That would be about 14 times this year's earnings guess. You pull out the handy value line and you look at it. They give them an A++ because they have a great balance sheet. Well, an A++ for financial strength because they have a good balance sheet. They get 100 in earnings predictability, which is the highest you can get, and a one for safety. Again, the highest you can get. Here you have a very high quality company trading for less than what the market is, even though that 
even though they've grown their earnings on average of better than 16% per year for the last five years. My only wish here is that they paid a higher dividend. Hey, that's about all we have time for you for today. Thank you for listening. And if you found it useful, please tell your friends how they can find us. Maybe they can give us a listen. We'll be back next Wednesday. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.